Soccer Showdown with Martino Puccio. Everybody and welcome back to Soccer Showdown. I'm your host Martino Puccio. Alongside me, as always, is Matt Santangelo. Uh, it is December tomorrow, Matt, and uh, everything is flying by all of a sudden. Nine rounds of Serie A finished. We're gonna play match day five in the Europa League, so the group stage is almost wrapped up there. So, um, how's everything been? How was Thanksgiving? Everything's going pretty well on my end. Um... Pretty crummy weather today, but of course, obviously, despite it being a Monday, everything just kind of seems to feel much better and the vibes tend to feel much better. Um, off the back of a Milan victory, of course, we're discussing the victory over Fiorentina 2-0, uh, which is on Sunday at the time of the recording here. But yeah, Thanksgiving was fine. Um, you know, enjoyed some turkey, enjoyed some food, ate a ton of tiramisu. And yeah, a couple of days later, Milan gets a victory. So I really can't complain all that much, to be honest with you. And um, I'm just looking forward to the holiday season, looking for more matches, looking to co- hopefully see Milan keep this momentum going because um, as things stand, they are at top of the table, five points clear of their rivals in turn second. So all in all, things are going pretty well. Yeah, there's been a bunch of things happening with them that we just haven't seen in years. And one of it is a great start to the season. Another is mm-hmm. beating teams that they usually lose against, like the Udinese match where they usually lose away. Um, Fiorentina. Match, they always had the fear, the Fiorentina them. one, they only got one point last year. They got three points already. They only got one point against Napoli last year. They got three points already. They got zero points against Inter last year. They had three points against them already. Um you know, Udinese, they tied, they had three points last year, but this was the away win, which they haven't had in a few years. It's a place they always struggle with. Um, and it's when they're missing key players. It's when they're not making all of their penalty shots. It's when they're on short days rest as well, because even when they were in the Europa League, they weren't playing well after the fact that they had a match on the weekend or vice versa. Um, they had one poor match in all of this, and that was with a B lineup, a B attacking lineup. That wasn't even like a, you know, that Lille match was respect to them. Like they dominate, they deserve to win, but it's, it's, I don't take away too much from when you don't have your strongest 11 out there. So, um, you know, um, and they came back and they drew against them. Same side. Minus Renato Sanchez for them, but we were resting guys because even Ibra mm-hmm. was out as well. And they get a 1-1 draw away, which was on Thanksgiving. Then following up that Napoli game, it was just, I mean, they could they they never beat Napoli so soundly in Serie A in, in a decade, honestly. And then, you know, the Fiorentina match, like every now and then we show up and smash Fiorentina. There was that one five to one victory. Yeah. Towards the end back. of the season, though, that match was kind of like, it was, was up, but up for grabs. Still, yeah, it was no, still, I know, the, but 
Mm. I mean, it's, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's the sort of confidence that's given off to the fans um, when they approach these sorts of matches, right? Where you're looking at anyone on the calendar and you're thinking, well, we we should be the favorites in this match. We're going to go after them. We're going to have control of this one. We're not going to be the team that goes in there and tries to um, let the other one, other side dictate the tempo, let them bring the game to us and hope we can kind of scratch and claw and find a way to get a result here. It's It seems to me that Milan always come out with this sort of aggressor um, approach. And for me, it's refreshing to see because no matter who seems to be in the squad or out of the squad, the mentality overall seems to, for the most part, remain intact. And I think that was the biggest focus that I saw in the Fiorentina match, of course, 2-0 victory, as I mentioned earlier, was yet Ibrahimovic on the sidelines, pretty much serving as sort of like a coach Right, because, because in a strange way, Daniela Bonera's what third game in charge. I think he had the game against Napoli. Mm-hmm. He had the game against Lille, and now he has so his second Serie A game. And despite him being a coach, it seems as though that you know Ibrahimovic is on the on the on the on the, on the bench barking orders. He's communicating to the players. He's very vocal, very animated, and that's the those are the types of things you like to see from your top players and your leaders in the squad. The entire mentality of the team has completely reversed with Ibrahimovic in, 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 in the equation. And for me, this game was a perfect game of, of where there were moments, there were spells where Fiorentina in the first half um, did some good things. I know Vlahovic hit one off the, off the, off the post. Um, Donnarumma had to come into, come into the, uh, you know, the, 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 the situation to make a couple key saves to keep this game. I mean, where he even tipped that zero. post shot too. That yeah. was, he got a hand so, on it. I mean, he did, you know, he had that, 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 that denial of a uh, reverie with a chip. So, despite the scoreline, despite the, what the numbers may say, um, in, in which Milan looked like to be the, the team that controlled the game, for the most part, I believe they did. This match wasn't something that was just completely locked up from the, from the, from the word go. And I think, you know, when you have players like Rebic having to play more up front, when you have certain players like Ben Asser not in the squad, who's been, in my opinion, a top three midfielder in Serie A this year, you can make a case being the, the number one overall midfielder in Serie A this year. Like they seem to still bring that sort of energy, that mentality, that 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 leadership, that chemistry together to the field, that you feel as though that Milan are going to be in a well position uh, to win the game or get a positive result on that day, and and for them to get two zero and keep this train moving, uh, heading into December and January, which that was kind of the sweet spot for Milan, right? You know, because when you look at Ibrahimovic, he'll be back probably what two three weeks give or take he's gonna miss a couple more games so that's gonna there's rumors right. that he's even back this sunday it's it's possible i wouldn't me personally if i was i bet benacer will be back if anything he knows himself better than every, anybody to know when he can come back if he feels like he's ready by all means but i would i would be fearful of bringing him back too soon and, and running the risk of re-aggravating the injury and it being a long sustainable time on this on the shelf but in any case just to kind of you know pass this over to you uh, um you know the overall feeling around this team is it's very positive heading into that position of the season, January, where you feel as though, okay, now it's the second half, right? This is where kind of things you really kind of need to ramp it up. You got players in January that could come in to really round out the squad. And then that's where you feel that's where Milan make that next stretch, right? From games 13 to 20 to 25, right in the early part of 2021 where they can really start mm-hmm. to solidify themselves in the table and ultimately kind of take a little bit of a broader view and 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 see where they can ultimately feel themselves stacking up at the end of the season 
Yeah, and, and you know what the real key and important things are that I've always said since the schedule was released and we've discussed this, I think it is such a sound and, and positive schedule in terms of Milan's favor. There isn't really stretches that they've had to play, including international breaks, um, you know, where they, they have a cauldron of all the top squads consecutively, right? Because they had to play both um, Roma teams, Roma and Lazio last year. They were going to like spall and then Juve wasn't too distant after that. Like that was just, that was just hell for them. But now it was just, you know, they get the Inter and Roma, right? Get past it. You come out with four points. The first, first round last year, you had nothing out of it. It took till round 19, I believe it was to get to like 23 points. It was just to, to where they're at right now. And for me, it's just, you know, they're getting through the hard parts. They don't have their manager. They don't have all their top players in every match. They come away from Fiorentina and Napoli with six points. They get another point in, in the match, um, excuse me, against Lille. Then, you know, they beat Inter. You know, Inter's missing players, but Milan wasn't fully healthy. Romagnoli just came back after four months. He was forced to start after they had some COVID-positive tests, right? They're still the youngest team in the league. They, you know... They're, they're a much more efficient and sustainable, well-oiled machine opposed to pass. And we've talked about it, too, because Suso taking long shots from outside the box, he's just an example, obviously. You know, Hankan banging in from free, kick, free kicks and all this stuff. But the way Milan are scoring their goals, it's sustainable. It's been consistent, and it's been happening ever since late January. And the players that are young have gotten so much experience, they're getting that much better. Have some players been, you know, inconsistent at times? You would ex- you would want them to do a little bit better? Sure, yeah, Tonali. But Tonali just turned 20. And the expectation and pressure that he has on him, there hasn't been an Italian prospect to have that much pressure since Gigio Donnarumma himself. And it's, again, what we talked about prior to the season. It's players that need to take the leaps for them to get to where they need to go. Leao needed to take a leap. What does he do? He's done it. Cassier needs to be consistent, and so does Benacer. What do they do? They not only become consistent, they're probably the best at double pivot in all of Serie A, and it's not even a debate considering the formation that they use. Um, Teo Hernandez been great. They had to survive a stretch without Ante Rebic too, Matt, and they've won. They haven't lost any game that Ibrahimovic hasn't played in. Um, Liao has assimilated not only on the left wing, he's played well as striker, um, you know, they get rid of the dead weight that was in the squad from last season with their finances. And again, you know, Salamakers being consistent, providing everything that he can do. Guys like Brahim Diaz, yeah, he had a difficult time off the bench, but he still came back and, you know, he was doing some good things, right? And every time they call upon his name, he's doing great. Jens Petter-Halog, I mean, what else can you say? The kid's a killer, right? Like the goals that you're scoring are so, you know, Milan's winning two to one against Celtic and Napoli where they're kind of flustering along in the second half, but he comes on and he takes advantage of the chance that he's given with the one opportunity that he has. You know, he makes a great run after the Benacer pass against Celtic with a great finish that just killed off any hope for them. And that probably ended everything for, for Celtics Europa league chances right then and there. And then the Napoli game, I mean, look, a direct rival against, um, you know, one of these competitors. And again, one of the other points I wanted to mention again, this weekend is Lazio drop points, Sassuolo drop points, Roma drop points, Juve drop points, Atalanta drop points. All those teams are dropping points. What do Milan do? They win a game that they're supposed to win. 
or should win or even a tougher one. Right. And now what they do is they give themselves some wiggle room. Guys can rest a little bit on Thursday. If you win on Thursday against a Celtic team that is struggling, but only I believe they have one point in, in total in the whole group, you get to finish off the group, you advance the next round of the Europa League, and this is where it gets really important because they have a seven-day stretch in late December in which sees Sassuolo, Lazio, and Genoa. Now, Genoa, we obviously know aren't that great, but when you have the opportunity to grab an extra rest against the game against Sparta Prague, Think of the wonders that it does, right? Because you get to rest some of these guys. You get through the easy part of the schedule. Again, that's coming up when you have the Torinos and the Santorias of the world as well. And you're going to play Parma too. You know, they obviously still have to play Atalanta, Juve, Lazio, and Sassuolo. But again, as we mentioned, those are further down the line. And then all you have to do is another thing I've been saying for, for weeks and a couple months now because we're already in December is that this – Get to January in a such a damn good position that you angle yourself to add players at center back, at right wing, another midfielder to help with that depth because the three rotation isn't going to work forever, right? And, you know, bigger picture, you have to have the foresight that Frank Kesse, you don't want him playing this many minutes because he could burn, burn out a lot sooner rather than later. Um, for me, it's just everything's coming up, Milan. None of it's extremely lucky. Everything is earned. So you can only imagine when luck starts to go their way because they have been kind of unlucky with injuries again, right? Romagnoli hasn't played. Like the whole 11, their best 11 that they put out there, not everyone's fully healthy or has been fully healthy. How many times have we seen, you know, Alexis right wing, Hawk on center, attacking mid, Ibris up top, Rebic on the left. We have a double pivot of uh, um, central midfielders. And then we have the back four and then Gijo. We haven't had that so many times. I would have to go back and look at all the lineups. And and that's what matters. That's the important thing. That's the impressive thing. And again, some of the matches go up one nothing early against center. And this will be my last point before I give it to you because I like this is just like it's just so much positive stuff that's going on and people aren't really giving the respect to it. Is you go up one nothing against Inter, usually Inter comes back, they win a game like that, right? I th- and again, this goes back to that last derby when they were up two nothing, they did end up losing, but the way they played in that first half. Time and time again, I'm telling you, that was the turning point. That was the aha moment. It didn't end up going Milan's way, obviously, because they lost and they blew it. But they knew what they had to do in order to play well and score goals against Champions League level sides that will be their main competitors for the top four of the rest of the season. Lazio didn't add a whole lot of depth. Duvan Zapata for Atalanta has two goals in nine games. You know, Juve are Cristiano Ronaldo dependent. You know, I thought it was Cristiano and Dabala, but Dabala not playing well right now. I mean, just look at this. They're going through the ebbs and flows of having a new manager in Pirlo who's still putting guys on like Frabrota. Um, Morata's playing well, like credit to him. Obviously he's been fantastic, even despite the offside stuff, but man, it's just like, this is, I think not, top four is not a lock, but I'm very confident that they could do that. Like I really am. And I know again, everyone's waiting for that rough, um, like patch of form, but we were waiting for, I think they passed that technically like the Roma match. It was three, three. Yeah. But our starting goalkeeper wasn't in there for a last second substitution. And it finished in a draw against one of those competitors. Then, you know, the Verona match, the Udinese match, where they're not playing their best, but they're still getting these results. They get they get smacked against Lille, but then they come back. Like 2-0 against Verona. They came back. They showed enough. Ibra missed a penalty. It's 2-2. Like, the mentality is there. The quality is there. 
they're going to have the money to spend in January. It's not like, you know, they're financially constrained like they've been in recent years. They've just been so much smarter. And you know what, man? The deeper they get into Europa League, the more money they get. Matt, like this is this is the best shape this club has been in in eight years. And it's not close. No, I think you're absolutely right, Martino. And, you know, there's the one thing I looked at with the schedule, too, and I thought, you know, and this was just happened recently, but the international break came at such a really good time for Milan um, right before the Napoli game. And I, and I think that that's a really, a, that's, that could be something that really turns to be a, a, one of the main victories that they pull off this year, right? Hopefully one of many more to come. <laughs> um, but the fact that it, it gave a, a lot of the players, because you saw some noticeable um, sluggish play, some fatigue from certain players, even in recent weeks, right? Like Castiel. spent, um, man. Yeah, a lot of those players, they looked a little bit exhausted. Ibrahimovic just by natural being you know, up in his higher 30s in age. And a lot of these other players just kind of being on, on their way back. Even Romagnoli, that, you know, obviously he responded really well with a great performance against Fiorentina. He, he a man great. of an act mm-hmm. performance, in my opinion. Although you can go with Davide Calabria and, and a couple others. But I think that match came at a really good time because it allowed Milan to reset themselves, both physically and mentally to prepare for a, a game against a really tough opponent in Napoli. That was also going to be a really good, once again, a measuring stick of where they stack up in the rest of the league, right? You, you really want to use those as measuring sticks, right? Because at the end of the day, yes, you know, you don't, you don't, for the most part, don't lose that on your objectives against the top three, four teams in the league. It's, it's how you handle business against the rest of the pack, the mid-table teams, the bottom-of-the-table teams for the most part. But Milan are doing both right now. They're getting the results they need, as you mentioned, off the top against, you know, the Inters of the world, the Romas of the world, um, you know, Napoli, you know, all these clubs that they tend to kind of have a mixed bag of results against historically in recent years. They're getting those results, plus they're also taking care of business against the teams that they should take care of business, that they haven't been taking care of business when the season called upon it in order for them to be where they want to be towards the tail end of the season. Right, we all talk. We always go back to those Udinese and Parma games from a couple of seasons ago, where they missed out on Champions League by one point. They're almost doing, they're almost performing in ways that are erasing those sorts of, you know, scenarios down the road, and they're kind of eliminating from them from the 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 outcome or the I or the possibility. I, I don't know yeah. how to really word it, but they're they're almost rendering those sorts of downfalls as a non-factor so far. Right, because we could point to teams like they're Uva, eliminating the, those those situations where they have to depend on other teams. Right, to help them and out. even in these games, I mean, you know, you're seeing it early on in the season, right? Because we see what Juve, we see with some of these teams, how they tend to go on really, really good runs, right? And even Milan, we talked about it. You know, they're great, they're great start uh, restart post COVID. Oh, this is a team that always kind of historically, or at least in my opinion, the last couple of years, starts off very slow, finds themselves in such a deep hole. And then they find them for, find their form in the second half, and then it's too little, too late, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I looked at the stat that someone posted. I think it was um, Semper and Milan or Milan Data. I know they're kind of associated with one another, but yeah. they pretty much compared the amount of points that Milan have had at this point last season through nine games. And I think they had something like ten in nine, and they were in thirteenth or fourteenth place mm-hmm. this year. This year they got twenty three in nine. And, and there's been place. better teams like we thought there was going to be. Like, right. There's the been pool, a lot the of really pool of stuff. teams in the com- yeah. conversation for top four seems to have expanded a bit. 
So the point I'm trying to make is that I think they're, and this gets back to the mentality of the team though, because I don't think you get to this position based off strictly the ability that this, this team has. Yes, there's ability, but if you're, you would be lying to yourself if you thought this team in terms of the starting 11, in terms of the depth was better suited to succeed, to be in this position than a inter, than a Juve, than probably a Napoli and shoot. And maybe Atalanta, Roma. I think Milan have a better team than Roma, in my opinion. I think they're a better side in terms of the personnel, but a lot of these teams that that are, that are at Milan are ahead of, Player by player, they probably have a better squad, but I think the difference with this team is that there's so much unity, there's so much chemistry, there's so much belief and togetherness in the squad. And the biggest, one of the biggest moments that I've, you know, in recent weeks that I've come to look at and, and really be fascinated and drawn into was with Pioli out and how the, the squad still just is unwavering on the field. And then after the match, what do they do? They're on the phone with Pioli. There's like this seems to be the camaraderie that you really need from a winning t- winning side. And I'm really enjoying that element of it. Yeah, we can look at Ibrahimovic and his performances. We can look at with some of these other players like Tonali, Benacer, Kessier, and what everyone else is doing. That's great. Individual performances. But I, it's telling to me how tight-knit and how bonded together this squad really is for one another. One guy goes down, someone else steps in. They get a goal. They get an assist. They play really well. When another guy goes down, no problem. And a perfect example, Ben Osser is not able to play. Tonali seizes the opportunity and plays a really good game. Ante Rebic, you know he has competition, perhaps more this Against year than last year. Against a good midfield, by the way. That's a talented comes, in the midfield. He comes in, and Rebic plays in a role he's not really fit for after coming back from injury and just on the sheer fear fact that that's just not his profile. And he does a lot of things off the ball to help you win. He presses, he runs, he does a lot of things to help you win that are not going to show up in the, in the box score or in the, in the stat sheet. So the point I'm trying to make is that I feel as though that unlike in previous years, top to bottom, this team, everyone in the, everyone in the squad on a given match day seems to do something to lend a hand in the result. Calabria, whether it's Romagnoli getting a goal, an unknown, un, 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 unknown, unknown source of goals, right? That helps put the team at ease, right? He gets the header goal and like, okay, we can kind of attack that second goal because now Fiorentina, they can't play for a draw. They have to open up a little bit. So those sorts of things that I tend to look at is after a goal, before a goal, how they respond. And the response is always really strong. And you don't feel as though that they're going to squander leads. Knock on wood, of course, you guys can probably hear me. But when you watch this team up 1-0 or trailing 0-1, even if the Verona game is a perfect example, 2-0 down, they could have won that game against a team that's well-structured, well-organized, well-coached, and has some players that can that can do some things. That's those goals that Verona of... scored too, I mean, those, right. those types of goals, like when teams score on you like that, that is so those are deflating. demoralizing. They're very deflating. Yeah, exactly, yes. They're very deflating. So – just to wrap up, you know, this, I know we're going on, you know, going off the deep end on here. But All right, we can get another just, 10 minutes. It's, it's, it's just refreshing to see this sort of um, feeling around this team, that they feel that they can do what others are saying they can't do. They play with a chip on their shoulder. And it's not just the stars. It's the silent makers of the world, right? Because, you, you know, when they brought him in in January, not, not so long ago, everyone's like, who is this guy? He's playing for Anderlecht. He's not really on the radar as being a top young player in world football. He's 20, 21 years old. He hasn't even made his Belgian debut yet. And you and, heard you heard the Maldini quotes on it or read them. I'm not sure if you have. 
But I quit, wrap up your point if you haven't. No, no. You know, you look at some of these players and they just come in like Simon Kier. Another case of players just outperforming and proving people wrong. Myself included. I didn't really, you know, wasn't over the moon ecstatic over these additions. But I was like with any other acquisition. I was like, yo, let's see what this kid's got. Let's see what Simon Kier can bring to the back line. And those two moves look like strokes of genius and shrewd types of business moves by Maldini because where are you getting a starting defender who can provide solidity and stability alongside Romagnoli, especially in, in a COVID situation. In Italy since he's arrived. Right. A veteran presence who's played in this league before for, what, three and a half million euro? And then where are you getting a starting winger who's young, who can play a full 90 pretty much when he when he can, you know, we have depth, but that the best what I'm trying to make is that it seems like Milan as a club off the field, on the field, they're pushing all the right buttons. And then they also get the blue get chip through. guys. Yeah. They're able to, and they're able to nail on the blue chip guys too. So it, it's a great time to be a Milan fan. Um, you know, we've known, known better to get ahead of ourselves and to think things are wrapped up and top four is a formality. And, you know, the, the titles is it's, it's taking it one week at a time. And I think that's the approach that Milan themselves have approached with this is it's, it's a long season. You have COVID's in play. You have, Injuries that can play that come into play. You have a condensed schedule, one game at a time. That's got to be the approach. And look, if you take that approach and you play with the same confidence, energy, and ability that we have seen in this, you know, you know first couple months of the season, more or less, Milan will be in a position they want to be at the end of the season. And Milan fans will be quite happy with that. Yeah, and again, the goal the goal at the end of the day is top four. It's not the Scudetto yet. Like, wake me up with the Scudetto talk in, like, March. We'll see where we're at, right? Like, I know everyone loves to put us in that conversation, but that's, for me, as a fan, that's the way I want to think about it. Players, right. if the players are saying they want to go win the title, good. That's what I want you to say anyways. That's the mentality I want you right. to have when you go out every Sunday is that you should win every game. And there was a couple of things that you mentioned there that I wanted to just uh, bring back up uh, for, for some good points and why you're right on it. Like the, the first one was the Ibra point when he was talking about last season prior to the whole pandemic hitting and everything with the interviews. And he was saying that when you come to this club, you, you have to win. This isn't, this isn't some silly thing where it's acceptable to make Europa League and, you know, slowly make the climb back up. And and although that is true to an extent, he means your goals should be to win. You know, like sometimes there's just a lot of clubs out there and we know it and we know the difference between, right, American philosophy sometimes. And then there's the, you know, European football way of thinking where some clubs are just happy to be there and put in mm-hmm. a decent performance. And then there's clubs like Milan that, you know, they're embarrassed to make Europa League when it would be a great accomplishment for a Verona of the world or a Bologna, but for, for Milan, it, it has to be top four. You have to be competing for the champions. League. you have to try and get to a Coppa Italia final. You have to win the title or be in the race to win the title. Um, they're doing this all with a young club, all, all with um, a lot of players that weren't costing like, you know, 70 million euros. The biggest blue chip guy that they had was Tonali. And that's going to be 35 million paid over what two, three windows or so. And, and it's just, you know, it's the genius of that. It's not spending 50 million for like, they've never spent in their history, mm-hmm. 50 million euros for a player, Matt. We're talking about the the club with the second most champions leagues of all time. And I understand there's inflation and all that stuff, but there have been so many other clubs 
Napoli, and it's no disrespect to not like even the Napolis of the world have spent more on a single player than Milan ever has, right? I'm pretty sure Andre Silva is like at the top tied for Rui Costa for the most expensive transfer. And they're not even at the point. Bonucci yet, too. Like, Bonucci too. Bo- Bonucci, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, but but again, here's the here's the thing with the Maldini thing, and it was in the great piece that James Horncastle wrote when he was interviewing the Moncadas of the world and the Gazidises and the Maldinis, where he got complete access to the club, and they were just completely transparent, and it was just the best, my favorite article that I've read in, in years. And anything, it was just. It was just great to see the inner workings of it. And this, and this again, two more things. Sorry. Very good, man. This took, this is what happens when they're bearing the fruits of their labor. When you hire a guy like Moncada and you give him a couple years to work his, his magic and get the profiles of players that he wants. And, and the scouting department's deep, right? You know, because Masada. Uh, Maldini, Gazidis, they all have to give the final say and go like approve it financially, blah, blah, blah. Maldini even said it when he was talking about Salamakers this, this week. Um, you can go find the, the quotes around Milan I, or you can look at Milan reports on Twitter. He's talking about how he didn't know who Salamakers was. He knew some, uh, a certain amount of the profile and what they do, but that's all Yoran Mancata. And the importance of that no, nah, it's not Yohan Moncada. That's the baseball player thing. Um, but Moncada is like, <laughs> yeah. it's, Je- it's, it's, it's Jeffrey Moncada. It's Jeffrey. Yeah. It's Jeffrey. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. I'm also heavy into the baseball stuff. There's White Sox stuff popping up. Um, yes. So, sorry. The point was this. He didn't fully profile and know the player or watch, you know, Anderlecht in the league that heavily. But there's trust between him and his scouts to deliver like, you know, one of the better talents around. And that's like something that you want to hear all the time. And the fact that they're able to do that, they're getting it under like, like someone shared, they're getting Haug, um, they got, you know, Kier, Salamakers, those are, and and Benacer all for like under 40 million euros. And Teo Hernandez, you could toss in there and, you know, Teo, Teo and Sandro Tonali are 55 million at the end of the day together. Well, you got, I mean, look at that, but look, but look at that. Can I just say something? Look at those, look at the, the, the players you named mm-hmm. equating and, and the, the fee spent to get them in. I mean, yeah. Salamakers, Salamakers, he's a starter, right? He's a, yes, he's so, a starter. Simon Kier, he's a starter, right? Yes, he's a starter. Ismael Benacer, 16 million. He's a starter, right? Absolutely. Those three guys combined, you're spending under 30 million. You have three starters who are three of them are obviously, you know, very young, right? You have, yeah, you have 30 million. You have 5 million left over from what you would have gotten from Paqueta for three star players. For, yeah. And, And, and it's, 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 again, it's a, it's, they're buying smart too. They structured their wage bill really well. They're knowing when to pull, when to, to, call it quits on certain players. I mean, they'll have you know, two I mean, I'll, I'll years admit, potentially you know, of a grace period with FFP, by the way, considering right. the pandemic and the extra year that FIFA but um, UEFA was supposed to roll over. But they've also called, they've also known when to push the right buttons on selling players to Gutrone, Suso, Paqueta, Piontek. I mean, you hold on to those guys for a little, another window and look at Suso. I'm not, I know people are going to kill me for this, but, Suso's not really doing anything for Sevilla as far as goals and assists. He ain't doing much, right? No. You look at Cutrone, he ain't doing much. He left Milan. He's on he went loan. To he, he, went to Fiorentina. 
He hasn't done anything. You know, you look at you look at Pakita. I don't know what he's doing. I don't think he's doing much. I heard at he's Leon. playing well at Lyon. I heard he's playing well. He's putting okay. So, but 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 that's that. But I think most people knew that he just needed a change of scenery because he is a player and that has ability. But it wasn't a hefty loss either. They didn't right get, right. Like, but but Piontek Piontek scoring a go- couple goals here and there. So the point I'm trying to make too is it's their yes they're buying well, right? We all praise them for the deals they've made. You know this player that player like. Maldini, Gazidis, they haven't really missed on many players, right? Even Rod Krunic, for the small fee, has done a decent job. And I think he's, you know, he's, he's covered the six or seven million spent on him, right? He's serviceable. He'll, he won't wow you, but he'll play in a pinch. He'll do a decent job. He'll play wherever you need him to. And he won't cause a fuss or a ruckus, right? So you look at all the players. I mean, Duarte, yeah. We all know that, you know, Duarte's, you know, get get him out of here. But, you Duarte know, for more or less, Rosano, you know, you have to. Right. But even Tato Rosano, he's a, he's, a, he's a backup keeper. I mean, if Donnarumma didn't have COVID, that guy is not touching the field. Let's be real here. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it, the point I'm trying to make is that not only have they bought well, but they've also sold really well. And it's one of those mm-hmm. things where if you look at the wage bill now versus what it was two years ago, it's vastly different. I mean, even the deal to get Rebic for and a swap deal with, 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 with Frankfurt for Tiago uh, Tiago Silva for Andre Silva plus what they got plus set plus cash in that too right they got six or seven million like they made they're making such shrewd deals and that's why you're going to be in a position in January where you can reinforce and to ensure that you're built to compete for the title keep that competition going I mean obviously you know that's you know I'm not, nothing's set in stone here and if you know mm-hmm. that can happen great but to ensure that at the very bare minimum, you finish top four. And I can anticipate if we're going to wrap it up here or just kind of briefly talk, touch upon, right, because we're, you know, a month away from the market here about what they could possibly do. You're in a position where you can, you know, plug in certain players of areas where you have voids. You can get a winger. You can maybe sell Samu if you need to let, let Samu leave on loan. You can get another midfielder. You could get maybe another central defender. So, you could do some things that and have have some flexibility that you didn't normally have. They didn't even have it last January, right? They were trying to get Anthony Robinson. They were trying to get Salah makers, and they got Simon Kier. They didn't spend the money because they really weren't in a position to spend the money. Now they have a little bit more flexibility because of everything they worked for in the past couple of years in terms of sacrificing big spending and sacrificing on you know paying out such high wages to to get the players they need, a Talvin of the world, and maybe another striker like Olivier Giroud. Like, those are the players that when you look back to the previous Scudetto season, who was a, a big influence in that Scudetto pickup, uh, the Scudetto season that was there for a season and a half? Can you name the player? Does it come to come to uh, mind for you or no? Antonio Cassano forward? Are you talking? Mark Van Bommel. Van Bommel. Mm. Comes in, experience. Doesn't start every game. He has the experience of playing at Bayern Munich, Ajax, some of these big clubs. Comes in, and he plays games. He plays meaningful minutes, and he has an impact over a season and a half. That's Those are the types of players that I think that Milan could possibly look for. And I think Giroud would be such a great addition to this team. I really do. I know he's not starting for Chelsea, but I think he would be such a really good presence. He's scored internationally. He scored for big clubs. He scored big goals. He's a veteran. He's the type of player where if Ibrahimovic is out, you could put Giroud in and he'll produce. He'll get the goals he needs. He'll he'll be good in the link-up play. He's a good t- t- uh, 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 no, in, uh, getting on the end of crosses. 
those are the guys that I think I could, could anticipate a sort of blending, perhaps. I think they'll stick to their youth approach. You know, that's kind of, they're going to stay on that course. But I can expect like one or two veteran players at a low cost um, and a low cost transactions because I think over the, the, the difficulties of a, long- a great deal as well. Right. Yeah. The difficulties of a long season, I think when you can, you know, you need those sorts of players. That's the point I'm trying to make. So let's see what happens. Let's keep it going, guys. I know, you know, there's a lot of Milan fans listening, a lot of other fans of other clubs listening. Uh, For those who are listening, we appreciate the support. But for the Milan fans that are listening, let's keep it going. Keep our heads down. Keep playing hard. You know, don't take anything for granted because we know where we've come. We know how far we've come to get to this position. Um, and just, just, just know that nothing's, nothing's finished yet. That the, the road continues. We got what twenty nine match days left plus Europa mm-hmm. League plus you know Coppa Italia. So you see who we got in Coppa Italia, by the way. I saw there was. I know. I, I know Sam Sampdoria and Genoa played on the weekend, I believe, but I don't. I don't know who was who was with Milan. Torino is who we're lined up to get. So if Gianpaolo is oh Gianpaolo revenge game, maybe, <laughs> maybe. if he survives. Game. I mean, they came back today. I mean, someone please save Andrea Bellotti, which is also Bellotti or Scamacca. Uh, yeah, Bologna. yeah. I don't think There's both. A, I don't think they're no. realistic guys for this for January. I could see maybe a deal Scamacca. for Scamacca I, getting I, I done, think you and, should, then and then just loan him out. Yeah, and then him maybe moving in um in the summer like yeah. a similar like a to like a Kulisevsky type deal, because I think if you let him get into the summer, maybe his his fee is a little higher. But yeah. yeah, I don't anticipate something like that for for um for those two guys. But yeah, I, I listen. It's it's one game at a time, Martino. You and I know this. We've been doing this for a long time. We've been doing these podcasts through some of the shittier performances, through some of the really rough patches this team has endured in recent years. Don't take anything for granted, guys. Don't start trolling Inter fans. Don't start trolling Juve fans. Don't start trolling fans and thinking we have this wrapped up. Be humble. You'll win with class, win with pride, just like we've had to suck it up and lose for the way we've had to lose. Because, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of hard work to have gotten to this point already, but nothing's done, and we gotta just got to just keep it going. Yeah. Um, depth and get to January. Um, when these next winnable matches coming up, Sampdoria is not a strong side. I think this is a side that we should beat once again. Um, yep. If we get Benacer or Ibra back, hopefully we get an update on what's going on with Leao um, as well. Um, look, man, I, I wouldn't think... force Ibra back, man. If I just want to add something, no, no, no. I... I'm obviously no. That's not. It's not about. No, I know, but ah, man, like it's like it. It worries me. I know this guy's like I like. He just sees like a freak in terms of whatever, how he just kind of recharges. He but is best. I trust him. The guy knows his body. He's playing no, better I know. than any thirty-nine-year-old that we've ever that. seen. <laughs> I just know that he's our most valuable player, and it's just I don't know. He man. is. He is, and they and they can survive and dumb winning and grabbing points like this without him. You know, for some of these games, it's just really funny yeah. because everyone keeps waiting for this slip up and looking for holes in the schedule. Like, oh, this is going to be a tough part. How is Milan going to do? Are they going to do it? They end up doing it so far. And I mean, I think they deserve credit for it. And I think it does matter what they did prior with the COVID situation, because I've said that I was like, those games count. Everyone play those games. Like we, we can't just like pick and choose what we think is like working and what doesn't work or what's valid or what isn't valid. Just the fact is this Milan haven't lost the league game since March. They've won every single game um, that they've needed to win 
like there's been like so many signs of stuff like to like the two nothing inter thing was a monumental turning point i think going down to 10 men against juve and coppa italia and not losing is a turning point i think coming back from two nothing against juve is a turning point the game against spall you know two nothing down you're you're getting so many shots on goal over 20 very similar to the verona one you come back and you grab a point out of it you know juve's done that a bunch it's like you don't have to always win those games but if you get a point out of those games like it feels like a win. Um, the only one that felt like a loss that was a draw was the Roma game. But again, if we were to lose a game, I mean, the match was bullshit. I mean, Tatarasanu was just dreadful. Like, they're staying afloat. And, you know... Emirante had one of his best games of his of career. Course of, course, of course he did. Of course, of course not. Did. on the weekend against uh, against Napoli, he was, he was horrendous. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, that was, that was just Diego from the sky pulling those tricks. Um, listen, I'm tired of the excuses. And I know that tweet of mine kind of like tiny banged yesterday on, um, on Twitter, but just show the respect already. This is a good side, like sides who you're like waiting to slip up on and are inconsistent. Good sizes. I mean, inconsistent sides don't do what they're doing. Like good teams do. And people are just scared to admit that they're good. And, they're either scared or they're having trouble comprehending that they're finally good again. And, and this is a little bit geared towards the younger crowd. The the ones that haven't seen the really good teams that we've seen. And even to an extent that we didn't even get to see the greatest of the teams, right? Like, or if we did, we saw, we vaguely remember, like I vaguely remember 2003. I was eight, you know, like it was, it was different for me. I just yeah. turned eight. You know, so I was just a little kid. I just, like, knew who Milan was and, like, the players. But to the extent of what they were, like, you truly don't really get it. And going through an era like we just did, that's where the appreciation is. And that's where you become an even bigger fan. Because if you stick through what we just went through and you're getting it this now, like, if they uh, – I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying I think it's going to happen. But I'm telling you right now, if they pull off somehow a miracle to win this title, it is a top – it's up there with a top five accomplishment in the club's history. So it's going back back to back in the Champions League, you know, winning whatever Champions Leagues they've won, titles they've won, you know, dominating Serie A, like the Invincibles with Capello, like seemingly coming out of, you know, hell to get to where they are now. And it's, and it's seemingly – feels like overnight but in real time it's been nine months now you know since the end of the pandemic till then and there were signs we obviously saw the signs when Ibra came the 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 transformation was slowly getting there but then they got more quality and the players that they had got better it's just it's just you know this is for real and this is what the turnaround starts to feel like and also if you look back when Juve ended up winning their first league after you know being down and trotting for so many years after Calciopoli, they didn't, they finished in a similar spot to what Milan did. And then they won it the next year after not losing a game. And I was grabbing one of the best midfielders of all time in Pirlo. I'm not saying we're as good as them. I'm not saying, you know, the league is a lot better than it was then. Um, they were fortunate. They, they wouldn't have gotten unbeaten that team in this league. Um, but it's just, this is, this is the slow turnaround. And because if you want to try and poke out or pick at flaws in this club as a whole, 
there's very few. They're transparent. They're progressive uh, in terms of the social front of things. Um, they understand their deals with like Puma, getting back with FIFA, uh, Skrill, all these things, getting with celebrities, sending over Danny Green jerseys, you know, DJ Khaled, you know, being more cultural and being more modern. They, you know, have a really smart board. They have financial power with the owners. And I know financial power is a little bit different. They have deep pockets. They're just not financially as healthy as they would like to be, but obviously that takes time. And the next step towards that is, you know, finally a full stable ownership eventually. Um, but this is as great as an ownership as you can have. And Elliot saved this club. We talk about Ibra. We talk about, you know, Benacers of the world and the Piolis. They, you know, rectified a situation where Pioli wasn't working out. The guy was trending Pioli out worldwide. That day he was hired. It's a press conference. Like, the whole world was talking about it. Like, do you understand? Like, people just don't understand what this journey is right now. And it either you want to hop on this magic carpet ride right now or be skeptical for a while. But if you want to get in right now, root in root for them week in, week out for a win and shock the world like that hasn't been shocked since Leicester City, it's possible. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Is it likely? Probably not. But there's blood in the water, and they're taking advantage of the situations. And because we always talk about teams, too, that, you know, get in these spots that are like, okay, if they're able to, you know, win a couple games here, we'll see how good they are it's going to strike midnight and there'll be Cinderella's and, you know, everything will turn back to pumpkins. We're still waiting. It's like 1230 in the morning now. They're there. They're good. This is who they are. Whether or not like, you know, and the scariest part is, and everyone else should be terrified throughout the league. And it's not to say other teams won't be good. This is the youngest team around by far. And they're doing this already. Wait till you see what happens when they get money and they're for in their prime. Because look the fuck out. Because it's 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 going to be scary. And I don't think teams are going to want to mess with them. And it's especially scarier that they could win a Scudetto before at a younger age than, you know, the Juve's of the world when they won theirs. They were a little bit older, you know, like right in their prime, right when they should start of one uh, to win things. But if you figure out how to win when you're this young, I mean, like – like this is what's going on here is special in my opinion. And I don't usually toss those things out loosely. I, I, you know, I'm more, you know, calm in the middle a centrist try and, you know, be yin and yang say, okay, maybe this isn't that great. They still need to have holes here and they do, but this is, this is different. This isn't like that stretch they had under Caduso where they get bounced out of Europa league by Arsenal. It's just not that it's just not that same team. It's, It's totally different. I, you know, and the Pioli thing, waiting for Pioli to be who he is, you know, this is who he is. I think he's a changed man. He's a different manager. And I've said this multiple times. I also, I also think, I also think too, and then we can, we can wrap it up here. I also think too, that there's a lot of fans that I see um, on Twitter, you know, mostly Milan fans who are almost like, it's almost like, oh yeah, they're winning, but they'll come back down to earth. They'll start playing poorly. And, and and I'm not saying you shouldn't temper your expectations because I think, you know, look, there's a there's a, a, a possibility that Milan will go through their rough patch in the season. Most clubs do. 
Um, it's natural, right? We see it with even Liverpool, right? You know, the injuries. Bayern this time you know, last year too. Yeah, right. These a lot of teams, even the best teams, go through it. Um, and just how you respond to that and how long that 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 stretch can be can ultimately decide the fate of your season. But I think if you're a Milan fan and you're in that sort of camp where you're a little reluctant to kind of you know back this team because you don't want to be kind of get you don't want to be getting up for the letdown. That's probably the best way to put it. I think you can still tamper your expectations, but I think you can still, you know, give the team the credit, give the club the credit it deserves, have that confidence. And I think the team itself, the club itself and everyone involved is deserving of the confidence in the fans. The the club deserves to have that confidence because, hey, look, they're like, we've given you a a big pool of, of a big sample here of what we can do, where we're headed, and what we have yet to accomplish and what we're, we're striving for. So I, I just want to, you know, real quickly wrap it up and say, you know, to my Milan fans that are, you know, reluctant to kind of buy into this, they think it's, uh, it'll wear off. Back this team. You back this team through, you know, all the, the horrific, you know, nightmare seasons we've had in previous years. But the minute we're, thriving we look really sharp we look really good there's a lot of energy enthusiasm top to bottom now all of a sudden you're gonna just gonna doubt them and you're really not gonna have that sort of backing that they should have that should they should get because they deserve it something doesn't seem right to me i think that that's one of the things that comes with the territory of just being a team that has the winning history and winning culture that milan does that's ingrained and embedded in their dna but a lot of these people to your point martino these younger generations that haven't tasted it. They have only read about it. Only watched little clips on YouTube about it. So that's what I want to encourage Milan fans is to say, you know what? Look, buy into believe in this team. It doesn't hurt to believe in this team. There's no, no one's going to shame you for buying in and supporting your team. You know, for the best of times, the worst of times. You do it. You did it through the worst of times. Do it to the best of times. When the team's winning games and they're playing really well, and the confidence is there from the, the from the squad, buy into that. Because the fans know. The fans read these comments. You're telling me, you know, Rafael Leal. You're telling me, Ibrahimovic. You're telling me, Salamakers. A kid like Salamakers at this point last year was an unknown at Anderlecht. And when he sees people making comps of him, um, he sees play, you know, people tweeting about him, giving him encouragement, saying, wow, we're really happy with you. We're really, really pleased with the, with, the, with the progression you've made. And we're happy to have you on this team. And we deem you worthy of these colors. That is sheds off on these players these players take to the field with a little edge on them little little edge and a little bit of uh, confidence and motivation to keep pushing so that's something that i don't know if you've noticed but i've also seen with some of these players who are very social media active you see the 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 activity on social media and you see how enthusiastic this team is to be together with one another as fans support them support the players they have a bad game and you know what? Don't go slandering them on social media. Don't go, you know, tweeting under their under their photos on Insta, on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Back the team. Back the team. You have a team that is 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 overachieving. That's young. That's ready to win. That's hungry. That's led by a really good coach, a really good management, a really good leader, and Ibrahimovic, and a lot of other players that are ready to become stars. Back this team because I think they're really much deserving of that support. Yeah, um, can't say it uh, any better than you did. Um, listen, it's an exciting time. It's been well documented. It's why we went 30 minutes over what we wanted to do or so. Um, 
but yeah, uh, appreciate all the support that you guys give us. The post-match reviews are doing great. Um, every time Milan play, um, the feedback's been awesome. We're still going to try and figure out how to get Matt and both of us on video at the same time. Um, it's just great. Everything all around. And we're just, you know, we've been at this for three and a half years now. Um, doing this stuff and we do it for free obviously um as with our own money put towards it and just you know i'm just happy to get positive feedbacks and you know people giving us positive comments because i i think everyone's earned it at the end of the day you know the fans earned what's happening with this club too so i mean it's just positive vibes all around um yeah, other than that, you could obviously follow Matt on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. You go follow at State of Play Pod as well. That's where the post-match reviews go. We talk Milan, obviously everything else. We're very close to 2,000 followers, so help us get there. there big news coming too, guys. Big news coming in the next probably week. This is probably going to go out later tonight, maybe early tomorrow. So in about a week, big news up. coming, guys. Yeah. Big news coming. Yeah, big news. Um and what else was I going to say? Yeah, you could also just like retweet, like share all these videos here. If I ever like share, retweet somebody's work that you see as well on the Twitter feed, give them a follow. Like the Miguel guys are the world of Serie sit down. Um, Michael Lisi's stuff I know he sends to me um, from time to time. I I believe that's about it for the most part. Whenever Jerry Mancini or... Yeah, know, Jerry. VJ, not a Milan fan, it, but he's a good dude. So VJ, I, 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 I mean, yeah. so I'm love. Jerry, Jerry's a good fan. Sabrina Belmonte, I know she does her stuff too, but she should send over her stuff because I, I don't think I've seen her um, DM it to me. Um, yeah, but obviously, like, there's it's it's just a great community. Um, very happy to be part of it. Been part of it for years. Don't get fooled by my Twitter account. By 2018, I remade it. I had Twitter since 2010. Um, it's just, it's great. So, yeah. I mean, other than that, we got to head on out, out of here. Um, yeah. want to get this uploaded. Yeah. You guys could listen to it. We're going to be reporting a recording State of Play Pod tomorrow, too. Episode 50 or what, 67 or 57, one of the two. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, take care.